turn, if you're not already there, to Psalm 55. I'm going to be reading verses, <clears throat> excuse me, verses 1 through 22. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me and in wrath they hate me. My heart is severely pained within me and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me and horror has overwhelmed me. So I said, oh, that I had wings of a, like a dove I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness, Selah. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. For I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls. Iniquity and trouble are also in the midst of it. Destruction is in its midst. Oppression and deceit do not depart from its streets. For it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man my equal, my companion and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng. Let death seize them. Let them go down alive into hell. For wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. As for me, I will call upon the God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. For there were many against me. God will hear and afflict them, even he who abides from of old, Selah. Because they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. He has put forth his hands against those who were at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. 
The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his word. Steve, would you please come and share with us? Thank you, Don. And it has been our joy as well to... Can I take this out? To share in that friendship over these many years, and you have been a tremendous blessing to us as well. Give me just one moment to get set up here. All these moving parts. Um, want to begin by apologizing for um, the size of the font on these slides up here. Um, I'm used to preaching to a much smaller group than people that I preach to are about from here to the first row <laughs> when I normally speak, and I didn't um, take that into account whenever I prepared these slides. So if you're in the back and you can't see, um, please feel free to, to move forward um, up to the front. When, when Mike asked me um, to speak this Sunday, um, yeah, my first response was, of course, I would be happy to, to do that. And, uh, but I was a bit concerned about time constraints because when we're here on HMA, we spend a lot of time traveling and visiting supporters and doing all that. And I was like, Mike, you know, um, I'm willing to do it, but as long as I can preach a sermon that I've already preached that I don't have to take time to prepare because I don't think I would have the proper amount of time to prepare properly. And Mike's like, sure, that's, that's perfectly all right. Um, so I started considering what, what I would speak on um, out of, obviously, the repertoire of sermons that I had. And um, one particular sermon came, came to mind, and uh, that's what I'm going to speak about today. Um, as you can see up here, blessed are the peacemakers. But before I actually get into sharing this text, um, I want to give you a, a bit of background that I think um, will help put all this in context and to frame this. Because today, as much as I come sharing and communicating the truths of the Word of God, I also want to share a personal experience. Um, and, it's, it, and, it, and it really is what I would refer to as a season of time that Kim and I have gone through um, in recent years. Uh, it spanned probably about a three-year period of time. And during that three-year period of time, um, it was probably the most challenging and the most difficult of times that we've had since we've been on the mission field. And I only share that to say that I come today sharing this in hopes that it can be helpful for you. Um, really in the terms of one beggar telling another poor beggar where to find bread. I'm not preaching at you, I'm sharing with you. 
I'm sorry. We were, as I was sitting down here when we were worshiping this morning it's the first time I'm sorry it's the first time that I really experienced I think the loss that many of you are feeling come here gosh I'm sorry and see the absence of people that we dearly love and I said I think that's just emotionally overwhelming for me although that we spend most of our time 5,000 miles away from here. <laughs> you guys become very much part of our family. You have been with us through the thick and thin. So I come this morning sharing, um, as I said, through an experience that I've gone through. Um, and I had Don read um, Psalms 55 because during the, this storm, as I'll refer to it as, that we were going through, I remember in my daily devotions, I, I read this psalm. And as I read that psalm, you know, it, it's David lamenting over his experiences. It's probably the experience he had um, with his son Solomon. And it so resonated with me I mean as he expressed what he was experiencing I, I was like you know what I'm feeling these same things just to, to highlight a, a few points that he brings out there he says he says destroy O Lord <clears throat> divide uh, their tongues for I see violence and strife in the city now, now, what city was David talking about? David was talking about Jerusalem, the, the, the city of God. And he talks about this, this, this violence and this strife that existed there. Thank you. And, and I was experiencing much of the same thing. In our context, we were experiencing these strife, but, but he, goes, he goes on to say there, I need to, Sorry. Oh, that's better. He goes on to say that um, what created that, that strife, he says, for it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me, then I could hide from it. He says, but it is you, a man of my equal, my companion, my familiar friend, we used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. <clears throat> we walked in the throngs. And 
in our, during our days in Bosnia, we'd experienced a tremendous amount of, of, of difficulties and challenges. You know, our, our time of service in Bosnia has not been without difficulties and not without challenges, certainly. But this was different because it's just like what David was experiencing here. This conflict was coming from within. It was inside our group of friends, inside our, our fellowship, inside of those that we trusted and that we loved, which makes it that much more difficult and that much more challenging. He goes on to say, he says, my, my companion stretched out his hand against me, against his friends. Uh, he violated a covenant. And so, so as I thought about this and I began to reflect on what David was saying here, I, I you know, could put myself in David's shoes. I was experiencing that, that same thing where, where this, this difficulties and this troubles and these strifes and all that was happening was happening with inside of this group of people that I, I love so dearly. And I think that's what made it so challenging because I didn't understand it. You know, why is this happening? Why is this taking place? How have we so far, you know, departed from where we were to get to where we are? It just created so much confusion, so much questions, so much strife in my life. And I can remember there were days where, you know, Kim and I would just pour our hearts before God. God, we don't understand what's taking place. Why is there this strife in the city? Why is all there this conflict and all of this is taking place um, around us? It's, you know, it's, it's funny how God kind of knits these things together and you come across these things. And at the same time, I came across this, this quote by, by Thomas Watson. He says, Satan kindles the fire of contention in men's hearts. And then he stands back and warms himself on the fire. And, I, you know, I mean, that was just such a, you know, revolutionary thought for me at the time. Because it, it kind of brought things into perspective. You know what I mean? Yes, you know what I mean? There are personalities. There are these, you know, people play parts in this. But it's really, you know, we don't struggle against flesh and blood. It's against principalities. It's, Satan is here. And you know what? He has is, he is sown these seeds of contention. And now he's just sitting back and going like, oh, yes. You know what? It's accomplishing exactly what I desired for it to accomplish. It is, it is destroying um, all that you guys stand for and all that you guys do. But the psalm goes on in verse 22. And it says this, Cast your burdens on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. I can't tell you how that uplifted my soul to read those words. Again, until, you know, I mean, and some of you I'm sure have experienced it in recent days. When, when you're in that point, you know, whenever... Whenever things just seem to be so unbelievably difficult, you know, that you're just ready to throw up your hands and give up and walk away. Um, you know, to hear these words of the Lord and say, you know what? Cast your burdens on the Lord. You know, the hope that this brings, the encouragement that it brings. And he says, I will sustain you. You know what that told me? It's like, God sees me. You know what? I may feel so very, very far from God at this moment because of all the pain and anguish and strife that I'm experiencing, but God sees me in that, and he will sustain me in that. What an encouragement to my heart. It was 
during this time that not by accident I don't think I'm sure the Lord knew exactly what he was doing in this um, one of my experiences has been um, one of the reasons why and I love to preach the word of God is is because it, it does several things in my life um, one it forces me to go deep in the word of God you know you, you can't stand up and teach something unless you spend some time studying and understanding it so it forces me to go deep in the word of God and as a result of going deep in the word of God the result of that is that it also at times brings conviction into my life and, and God used this series that I was preaching through the Beatitudes to, to bring about conviction in my life to point out things in my life where I needed to work on and I'm going to share a bit of that this morning um, as we go through here so as I was preaching through the Beatitudes and we'll just look at them here briefly it says blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven this is blessed are those who mourn uh, for they shall be comforted blessed are those who are meek for they shall inherit the earth blessed are those who are hungry and thirst for righteousness for <clears throat> for they shall be satisfied blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God I want to focus our attention today on on verse 9 you know blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God and Christ comes into a world that is, is broken and torn um, with conflict families that are torn apart homes that are torn apart churches um, that may be experiencing this and <clears throat> that are marked by this brokenness of the fallenness that we experience in this world and he calls us to a new life and as he calls us to the new life he kind of outlines here in the Beatitudes that are all, we are all familiar with you know what I mean basically the, the characteristics and the qualifications of what it means to be a Christian basically he says you know here's a here's a, a, a roadmap if you will or here's a definition of what it means to live the Christian life and as we look at this one of the things that, that came very clear to me as I began teaching this is the fact that there is there's progression that takes place in the Beatitudes you, you know you, you start at one point and then you, you culminate with being a peacemaker you, you know I mean, if you look at the very first one it says blessed um, <clears throat> are those that are poor in spirit it, it, basically that what that means is that we recognize our need for God that before God we have nothing to offer him that we are poor in spirit you know and, and that's a very easy place to come to it's not hard for us to look inwardly and go yes we absolutely have nothing to offer God so so that's the starting point then we move through a pro progression of things where <clears throat> as we do that it says um, then we move to you know blessed are those who mourn so as we recognize our need for God what it does it promotes us to see the sinfulness in ourselves and causes us to mourn over our sin so so we progress through these these steps of that and we come to the peacemaking peacemaking aspect you know blessed are the peacemakers and what what Jesus is saying here is is this is like the culmination as you work through these beatitudes and as these things become real in your life you come to this point that you become a peacemaker it might be hard for us to think that that's what Jesus would say that that would be the culmination of all this that leading to that we would be peacemakers but what I hope to share with you this morning is that you will see that it is very much a part of who God is and what is very, very important to him in the aspect of that we are peacemakers. 
And as we work through this this morning, I hope to be able to, hope for you to see um, this aspect of how important it is in God's mind in relationship to peace. Am I falling behind here? Yes, I am. Here we go. <clears throat> so, several things that I just want to, to point out here in regard to peacemakers. Um, that there's, there's three things, basically, as we look at, you know, in general, if we look at scriptures in regard to um, the idea of peace and peacemaking. He says, we are called to be peacemakers. <clears throat> there in 1 Corinthians 7.15, it says, but if the unbelieving partner separates, uh, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. Now, I realize the context of this that, that Paul's speaking about here, he's talking about in relationship to um, a non-believer and a believer being married and that the, the non-believer is free to leave that relationship. But I also believe that um, in general, we can take this and say that God has called us to peace. He has called us to a position of peace. That, that general statement that God wants us to be working in the direction of peace. Second thing we see there is we are, we are to plan for peace. Proverbs um, twelve twenty. it says, <clears throat> deceit is in the heart of those who dis, uh, devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. Now that's, that statement struck me as odd. The idea of planning peace. You know, we typically think that, you know, that peace is a, is a result that just kind of happens. You know, you know, when, when every, you know, when, when everything is harmony, when, when the universe is as it should be, you know, there's peace. But here we're instructed that we're actually to plan peace. Well, what would that look like? What would it look like for us to plan peace? Uh, let's take, think about the context. You know, I mean, if you have a, a you know, a mother and a father that's still living, or, you know, children, um, what would it look like in a family context for us to plan peace? The idea here is that, that we're to, to work towards that, we're to strive towards that, we're to strategize towards bringing peace into that context. So whether it be in the family, whether it be in the home, whether it be at work, whether it be here at the church, we're to be planning towards peace. We're to strategize to bring about peace into that context. The next thing we see there is we're to strive for peace. Strive for, for peace with everyone and for the, the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews um, 12, 14. You know, when we talk about peace, um, you know, we, tell, we think about the, the word shalom. Um, this idea, this biblical um, word that we're familiar with uh, in Hebrew. Um, it is, <clears throat> peace is more than the absence of conflict. And I think in a, in a worldly context, we often think about that. We think about the idea, you know what, if, if we're not in conflict, then we have peace. Well, that's not necessarily true from a biblical perspective. When the Bible talks about peace, it's talking about, <clears throat> it's the enjoyment that all is good. So it's beyond just the absence of conflict. It is really sharing in the goodness of God. Those good things that God has created in the way that he has designed them to be enjoyed. So it goes far beyond just this idea of the absence of conflict, but goes in the idea of, of the actual enjoyment of, you know, in this context, maybe the enjoyment of being together, the en enjoyment of fellowshipping together, the enjoyment of being part of the body of Christ. There's a problem when it comes to this. You know, we're, we're, we're called to um, be peace, peace, we're called to be peacemakers, 
we're called we're playing we're, we're playing towards peace we're to strive towards peace but there becomes a problem and that is that we can't give away what we don't possess we can't give away peace or we can't bring peace to a situation if we don't have peace in ourselves so that's the problem what's the solution how do we get peace I keep forgetting where I advanced in the slides or not. Um, <clears throat> so how do we, how do we, what's the solution? How do we get peace? The answer is peace <clears throat> in your heart flows from purity in your life. And, and again, if you remember, recall me saying that, that, that the Beatitudes are progressive. So when we talk, talk about if we have, have the absence of peace in our life, how do we gain that? You know, we find ourselves in turmoil. We tar- find ourselves in conflict. We find ourselves. The idea is here is it's progressive. We have to have purity of heart before that we can have peace in our hearts. The only way that we can bring peace or that we can share peace with others is that we have peace with inside of ourselves. And I think often we struggle. You know, I look back to that, that period of time when we were in all of this strife and conflict. And I can tell you, there wasn't any peace within me or very, very little peace within me. You know, I mean, I, every moment seemed like it was a struggle. Every moment seemed like there was conflict. Every moment seemed like I was being torn in multiple different directions all at the same time. Peace did not dwell within me. It, you know, so the challenge is how do I bring peace whenever I don't feel any peace with inside myself? And, and again, I think this is where God really started teaching me. He's like, purity of heart. And, and I know when we think about purity of heart, here's what we do. We, you know, we think about moral purity. You know, in all the different forms of moral purity. But when we, if we really explore the idea of what Jesus says here, when he says, blessed are those who are pure in heart, the idea of pure in heart here goes far beyond just moral purity. The basic idea of what Jesus is saying here, it carries the idea of being one-willed. We have a will and a desire for one thing and one thing only. That's the idea. It's, it, you know, certainly more moral purity is in there, but, but that's a very minor part of what Jesus is saying. Is What Jesus is saying is that <clears throat> we are desiring to be um, what all that God wants us to be. We are devoted to him. <clears throat> so peacemakers are people who bring peace to others because they have it themselves. <clears throat> purity of heart. You know, as I said, it's this idea of being, being willed towards one thing. As we look at that, look at the, the words of Elijah here. And Elijah came near to the people and said, How long will you go on limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is, is then follow him. But the people did not answer, <clears throat> answer him a word. This is the idea. It's a divided heart. You know what I mean? It's that idea of, you know, you, 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 you can't serve two masters. We can't, you know, have one foot in the world and, and, and one foot um, devoted to Christ. We, a divided heart. We're separated in our desires. We're separated in our wants. We're separated in our devotion. James 1.8 says this. He says, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Again, that's the idea. We're unstable. We're divided. There's this conflict that dwells within us. Purity of heart means that you will will one thing. You will pursue one thing. You will desire one thing. That is Christ and his holiness. 
You are at peace within. The only way that we will ever have peace within is if we will one thing. And that's our devotion to follow Christ and his holiness. The reason so often, and, and that's the thing that I found in my life, you know, it, and it's interesting, you know, it's not, it's, you know, sometimes we're surprised, aren't we, at the Word of God? We know the Word of God, we read the Word of God, we think we understand the Word of God, and all of a sudden we kind of get these light bulb moments that go, why am I surprised at this? You know what I mean? The Word says this, you know what I mean? That if I pursue purity of heart, if I pursue Christ and Christ alone, then I will have peace. And, and that's what I began to experience. You know what I mean? I think at first what I was doing was trying to deal with the conflict. And what I found was there was it wasn't a solution. It almost seemed to create more conflict instead of solving the conflict. And God redirected my attention and says, No. If you pursue purity of heart, if you pursue me and keep your eyes focused on me, he's like, you know what I mean? I will take care of these issues of this this tension and this this strife that's happening in your life. And I began to do that. We, we began to do that as a couple. We began to solely seek out, you know what I mean, Christ and Christ alone. What does it mean to follow Christ and be devoted and be one willed in all that we do? And as we did that, God began to move us through that process um, of becoming peacemakers. He didn't remove the conflict, but I think what we began, we, we, we found ourselves coming closer and closer to being in a position of being able to be peacemakers. Why are peacemakers called the sons of God? Quite simply, um, it's because God is a God of peace himself. First Thessalonians 5.23, it says, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. So again, we see here that, that God is a God of peace. And, and he brings peace. And that's one of the reasons I said at the very beginning, one of the reasons why he wants us to be peacemakers, and one of the reasons why the Beatitudes culminated in that is because God is a God of peace. He is about bringing peace. If we think about that, you know, that, that was God's ultimate role with humanity in sending Christ was to bring peace to earth, to reconcile us to God. Also, we see there in Isaiah um, 9, 6, it's for a child is born uh, to us and a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Jesus Christ, this is referring to and describing, he is the Prince of Peace. He is the one <laughs> that ultimately brings peace to earth and brings peace to our lives. God's way of making peace. There are three things that I want to leave you with this morning in regard to this. Three things that were really fundamental in helping me um, really understand what it means to be a peacemaker. Um, and ultimately, I think, led us through um, much of these troubling times. <clears throat> one of these, one of them is, and, and, I, and it's really a pattern that we see within Scripture as we look at God and the way that he deals with, with the world and humanity. <clears throat> Philippians 2, 4 through 8. Uh, these, again, these words will be very familiar to us. He says, let each, each 
one of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, <clears throat> which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, th- who though he <clears throat> was in the form of God, did not count it equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, <clears throat> being born in the likeness of man, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Think about Christ. He had the eternal right to spend eternity with the Godhead in heaven. But God so chose to send him to earth. He gave up his rights. God sent his only son here to die for us. No greater expression of giving up and not standing upon your rights. Now there may be times in our lives when we need to stand upon our rights, where we need to hold firm to those realities. But I would say particularly when we think about the idea of being peacemakers, there's probably no more significant time that we need to think about laying down our rights. If we are going to make peace, you cannot make peace by standing upon your rights. I, I, I truly believe that. And this is one of the first fundamental things that I began to realize. You know, is because up until this point, as I began, you know, as I was, as I was thinking about and surveying the conflict, it seemed like everybody else was the problem. You know, if they would just change this, if they would just do that, if they would just, you know, somehow do something different, we wouldn't find ourselves in the position that we're in. But God began to speak to my heart. And, it, you know, and these things be, started becoming very true. You know I mean? I looked at that. You know what I mean? I can't stand on my rights. I have to humble myself and realize that, you know what? I also am playing a part in what is taking place. And if that's true, then I really need to look deep within and examine my heart and see what it is. And again, back to that aspect of purity of heart. You know what I mean? What are those things that are within me that I need to reconcile with God? If God stood on his rights and his dignity upon his person, every one of us would be consigned to hell in absolute perdition. Martin Lloyd-Jones. I want to challenge you with this this morning. Whenever you think about standing upon your rights, whenever you think about, you know what, it is my, you know what I mean, term we use often, my God given right. Once you think about those words, that if we stand upon our rights, if Jesus stood upon his rights, he would have never come to the earth and every one of us would be in hell today. That's the reality. That we have to give up of our rights. We have to think about giving up of our rights. If we stand upon our rights, we are never going to bring peace or be able to bring peace to others. Secondly, we need to move towards the trouble. Uh, this phrase that you see, oh, sorry. This phrase you see up here, um, always move towards the barking dog. Um, you know, I heard that, I was like, that's just insane. Who would ever move towards a barking dog? You know what I mean? The reason a dog's barking is because he's unhappy and he's ready to make right what he doesn't think is, is right. But um, I really, I really found, you know, I'm a, I'm the type of person that I avoid conflict. 
I mean, I, I just despise conflict. I, you know, I mean, my typical go-to, you know, response in a situation like that is, you know, maybe if we just ignore it, it'll go away, kind of thing. And I think actually in the in this issue that I'm sharing with you, this season of conflict that we had, I think for a long time that's what I did. You know what I mean? Just ignore it; it'll go away. You know, it never does. You know, that conflict is there. And we see here in Matthew 10, 34, it says, Do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. Uh, I have come to bring, I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. Uh, these are the words of Jesus. And it's really interesting where he, where, he, where he talks about, you know, an interesting thinking about peace in the context we're talking about this morning. But Jesus says, I'm not coming to bring peace, but I'm coming to bring a sword. And I think what Jesus means in that context is this. He's like, I am going to bring, bring, bring peace, but as I move towards bringing peace, what it's going to create is all kinds of conflict in the world. You know what I mean? My coming is not going to be a peaceable coming. It's not going to, you know, everybody's not going to rejoice. Everybody's not going to be happy. It's not going to necessarily bring unity and harmony immediately. It's going to bring difficulties and troubles and strife and all those types of things, but ultimately, it will be peace. And so, so as we look at that, you know, and think about that. Jesus moving towards the conflict. You know, God moved towards us. We didn't move towards him. When he sees the conflict, when he sees the, the disruption of the fall in the earth, what he does is he moves towards us. He moves towards the barking dog. When the world is barking at God and rebelling against him, what does he do? He moves towards it, not away from it. You know, again, it's an example that we see within Scripture is how God moves towards us. And finally, and I think this is probably one of the most significant um, realities, one of the most significant things that I came to realize in this, and that is <clears throat> loving before you're loved in return. It's really easy when you find yourself in conflict, and again, whenever, you know, you're not, you don't have a pure heart and you don't have peace within, it's really easy to, to look at others, like I said, and to point out the issues. You know, if they would only do this, if they would only change, if only this would happen, you know, everything would be okay. And, and that kind of attitude is not loving at all. You know what I mean? You know, it's, what it's saying is, you know, if you'll respond to me and love me in the way that I want to be loved first, then certainly we can reconcile and everything will be okay. But that's not a peacemaker. Peacemaker doesn't act in that way. Christ didn't act in that way. Christ didn't say, hey, you clean up your act, and then I'll save you. You know what I mean? You love me first, and then I'll love you. No, it's the exact opposite of that. You know, Romans 5, verse 8, but God showed his love towards us when? That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were in a rebellion against God, when we were following our own path, doing our own thing, living the life that we felt was appropriate, God entered into that. He brought peace into our lives. And as that happens, we also experience that peace. So, you know, it, it, I hope that maybe this is somewhat instructive and helpful. Um, this morning. Uh, really, it's, it's a journey. It, it, let me close with this. Um, like I said, it was about a three-year period that we experienced this, this just significant, significant turmoil and strife um, 
in our lives. But God is faithful, and God is good. And just, we've been back here in the States now about three, about four weeks now, about a month now. And right before we left to come back here, um, you know what, God moved, you know, sometimes you get to a point, even when you're trying to follow all of these and and being a peacemaker, and you're just like, I don't know. It just seems like this strife and turmoil will not go away. But you know what? God entered in, and God did some miraculous works just recently within our lives, within our team's life, within our church's life there. And he's brought unbelievable reconciliation um, just in the last, like I said, month or so. And, And again, we shouldn't be astonished, but even standing here this morning, I'm like, wow. (laughs) wow God is so faithful God is so true to his promises if we could only just have this smallest amount of faith and belief in those promises you know that we wouldn't be astonished whenever he does what he says he's going to do that you know what if we are faithful that if we trust in him if we cast our cares upon him he will sustain us he will be with the righteous you know, and my encouragement to you today is exactly that. You know what I mean? Lean strong into the promises of God. He is faithful. He is true. You know what? I, I, I can only imagine some of the, you know, you know what I mean? I, from afar, am feeling these, these emotions in regard to what's happening here within this body. I can imagine you guys, you know what I mean, a hundredfold are experiencing those. And I just pray and encourage you, you know, think about these things. How do, be, how do we become peacemakers? How do, we, how do we move towards one another as we move towards God in purity of heart and bring peace? Father, we thank you this morning for your faithfulness, for the truth of, of your word. Um, just the way that you move towards us and that you bring peace. Father, our lives are often wrought with pain and anguish, strife, turmoil. And Father, I pray, oh God, that you would bring reconciliation. I pray for what's going on here at Baraka. I certainly don't know the intimate details or what's taking place. I, I, I can observe and see what I see. Um, but Father, I pray for each and every person here present today. Uh, at various levels, I'm sure, uh, a pain and suffering and heartache. Um, Lord, I pray that you would be with them. I pray that you'd be with the leadership of the church. Um, Lord, during this time, that you would guide them. Um, Father, I just, uh, I just pray that you would shower them with your grace. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.